Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker, as we get you set for this episode. Now, this episode is our very first ever episode of an on-camera podcast, and uh, we wanted to see what you guys think of this format. It's, it's been something, it's been a question that I've been asked numerous times. Um, when or will we ever see 211's Baseball Talk on camera? And, and it's something that, I, that I've thought about for a long time, and we figured, you know what, why not try it the week before the trade deadline? What could go wrong, right? Uh, with all these moves that are happening right now. And we're going to talk about a lot of them uh, in this episode. There, there are two Blue Jay trades, a trade between the Phillies and the Red Sox. Things are starting to heat up on the uh, trade deadline front. So in this episode of 211's Baseball Talk, the first on camera, we will uh, discuss the Blue Jays acquiring Daniel Vogelbach and Taiwan Walker. We'll talk about the emergence of Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez, and Kevin Biggio. And uh, we'll, we'll even talk about some other guys that... Uh, the Blue Jays could target or could have targeted and why they might not have done so. Uh, of course, that piece was actually supposed to be um, a piece about who they should go after at the trade deadline. Uh, but now that they've acquired Taiwan Walker, I don't see them making any more moves. We'll give you reasons why they should, why they shouldn't, and who they might target uh, later on in this episode. Let's get right into things now as we talk about Daniel Vogelbach coming to the Toronto Blue Jays. It's Sunday night. The Blue Jays made a move to acquire the big first baseman and designated hitter from the Seattle Mariners in exchange for cash considerations. Now, right there, that's significant because cash considerations really it's, it's a no-risk deal. Daniel Vogelbach, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, is a guy with plenty of potential but hasn't shown it this season. And uh, sending cash the other way is, is, is a small price to pay for Vogelbach. Uh, he's been in the big league since 2016. He's a career 196 hitter, so not great there. But he does have a solid 326 on base percentage considering where his average is. Um, the reason Vogelbach can be an enticing bat is his 2019 season. That year, he had a solid first half, becoming an all-star, although he did finish the year with a 208 batting average. Uh, the average stat is not uh, Vogelbach's calling card. Uh, he had 30 home runs that season in the uh, not-so-hitter-friendly park that is T-Mobile Park uh, out in Seattle there. He's got incredible power, but that's about all he can do with the bat. He's not a guy that's going to uh, spray the ball from gap to gap and get on, get on base a lot. Uh, with doubles and, and, and singles up the middle. It's not who Daniel Vogelbach is. Um, he's a bat that Charlie Montoya can slot in his lineup on a, on a, in a day against a good righty, or he could become a late-game pinch hitter. Now, Charlie Montoya did not dismiss the possibility of having both Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelbach in the lineup at the same time. They are very similar. Vogelbach, of course, we mentioned there, was an all-star in the uh, 2019 season. He had 30 home runs, 76 runs batted in last year with the Seattle Mariners. A very strong guy. The Blue Jays have a lot of very strong players. Rowdy Telez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and uh, now Daniel Vogelbach are three of the best. They're very strong guys, big power bats. Vogelbach can't really, like I said, hit a, hit a base hit the other way when he needs to to go against the ship. That's not who Vogelbach is. Now, him and Rowdy Telez are very similar hitters because they're both heavy pull guys. They're both big players. They're both first basemen, and uh, they both hit a lot of home runs. Now, where Rowdy and Vogelbach differ a little bit, Rowdy has the ability, although he doesn't always show it and doesn't always use this skill, he has the ability to go the other way when he needs to, or he can he can hit the ball up the middle if that's, if that's the best place to go. Vogelbach doesn't do that. But another thing that's different between these two guys, and really the main principal difference, is that Rowdy Telez is a very aggressive hitter. Daniel Vogelbach is not. Vogelbach is able to lay off 
pitches that are out of the strike zone, whereas Rowdy might be chasing. He sees the ball very well out of a right-hander's hand, and Rowdy isn't terrible against lefties. Vogelbach is, and I, 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 I hate to, to call a baseball player terrible, but against left-handed pitchers, Daniel Vogelbach is not Daniel Vogelbach. He's a talented, very talented player uh, when it comes to hitting righties, but against lefties, it's a little bit tougher for him to, uh, to get the bat on the ball. And this year, he's hitting 094, so really struggling. He was designated for assignment, I believe, by the Seattle Mariners uh, last week, and they traded him to the Blue Jays. He's a guy, and like I said earlier, it's a low-risk move. He's a guy with a lot of potential. He's a guy that can hit 30 home runs in a season. We saw it last year uh, playing for the Seattle Mariners where he was an all-star. So Vogelbach can definitely put the bat on the ball and get it out of the ballpark in a hurry. And he struggled this year. But what are you giving up for him? You're not giving up a piece of your future for Daniel Vogelbach. All you're doing is saying, here's cash. We'll take Vogelbach, uh, and we'll see what we can do with him. And, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been taking uh, ground balls at third base recently. We've seen it on uh, Blue Jays Central, if you've been watching there. Even during the broadcast, the Blue Jays games, because they're, they're trying to decide – whether they want to shift him back to third. And in the event that Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelbach are both in the lineup at the same time. Here's why I don't think Rowdy Telez is, or, or one of Rowdy Telez and Daniel Vogelbach are here to stay. They're too similar. They're two similar bats, and they're, they're going to clog up that first base and DH position. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is transitioning from third to first. Um, the, the Jays obviously want him to be a first baseman. If you want to have Rowdy and Vogelbach in the lineup at the same time, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad move to have them both in there on the same day because they're both very talented hitters. If you want to do that, though, you have to find a spot for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because you can't just give him an off day every single time that Telez and Vogelbach are in the lineup at the same time. So Vladdy goes back to third. And those are two spots that are very valuable. The DH position is extremely valuable because it allows you to keep one of your better bats in the lineup while providing them with a semi-off day because they don't need to go out and play defense. We've seen Randall Grichuk come in, uh, come in and play uh, and DH a little bit when he's got his back tightness. Uh, Travis Shaw, Bo Bichette earlier on in the season. The DH spot is very valuable, and Telez and Vogelbach are going to use that spot uh, whenever they're in the lineup. Vogelbach more than likely will be that DH uh, when, he, when he's there uh, because he's not a great defensive first baseman. Um, Although, don't be surprised if we see a little flip-flop there. One of them is going to go, and I think that there's a possibility that Rowdy Telez is a part of a few deals that the Jays are discussing right now. I saw a rumor that the Jays uh, could be inquiring on Dylan Bundy, Tommy LaStella, uh, and one of Tommy LaStella or Andrelton Simmons from the LA Angels, and in return, they, would, they could send Rowdy Telez as a part of a deal. I could see that happening, and I think that at the end of this season, if one of them doesn't produce that one player is going to be gone because I could see them easily keeping one of these two guys potentially to trade in the future, potentially as pieces in, in, in the lineup. I could see one of the, one of them going. Um, and I, I think we will see one of them going either at the end of this season or uh, next season, depending on who's hot, who's not right. If Rowdy can take that next step with the bat and consistently show that he should be in the lineup and keep in mind, this is being recorded on Thursday, uh, August 27th. This is a day after Rowdy Telez had a big two-home run game against the Boston Red Sox. If Rowdy can put up consistent numbers and not have not be as streaky as he has been so far, he's a great hitter. He's a fantastic hitter. 
and I don't see a reason that the Blue Jays would not want to keep him. But as of right now, I, I think Vogelbach and, and Telez are very similar. Um, and I think that, uh, that more than likely we'll see one of them go by next season, I would imagine. And, and it's going to be who doesn't produce. And, and, and the Jays have shown that they, they do want to win. Now Vogelbach is a signing or is a, is a trade that people are like, okay, well, they're, they're just adding a bat because the offense has struggled at times this year. Correct. Correct. But the acquisition of Taiwan Walker proves to me that this front office believes they're ready to win and they want to make the playoffs. And that is huge. And we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get into the Taiwan Walker signing. Moving on now, um, over the past two weeks that we've been off, uh, Bo Bichette has been down with injury and we've seen some new great players emerge for the Blue Jays. Of course, last week, uh, it wasn't that we didn't have a podcast ready because we did. We, but the, the thing is, there was too much prep to do for the Legacy Classic, which happened at Labatt Park last week. And I do hope you were able to tune in and you enjoyed the broadcast on uh, Rogers TV and, and various communities across the province and uh, on YouTube. But uh, we've been off for a couple of weeks. Let's start with Kevin Biggio, who has emerged as a star in, in the past few weeks. He's a fantastic hitter for the Jays. He can provide power, but what separates him from the rest of the pack on the Blue Jays and in baseball is his plate eye. Last year, his first in the big leagues, Kevin was in the top 2% in baseball, in walk percentage. He doesn't chase balls. Now, what does not chasing do? Because every time you hear guys that are too aggressive, we're adding to that. prime example. A guy who's a little bit too aggressive. He'll go after pitches out of the strike zone and uh, when, it, when he probably shouldn't. Kevin doesn't. He can recognize when a ball is going to be a ball. He's got a fantastic eye at the plate. What that does for him is it gets him more fastballs in the zone. Because as a hitter, if you are working in a hitter's count, even in a day where, we see, where we're seeing less fastballs than we ever have before, you will still get fastballs in the strike zone when a pitcher needs to come back and get back in a count with you, uh, with you at the plate. Kevin, if he can work in hitter's counts, which he usually does, he's going to get more pitches to hit. And that's what's resulted in his higher average this season than what we saw last year because he's been a little bit more patient, I would say, this season than what he was last year. And that's saying something because he was a fantastic hitter last year at the plate uh, when, it come, when it came to discipline. He's been even better this season. And it's leading to more pitches that he can get in the strike zone, which means he's going to be able to get his hands around two of them and hit them a long way because he's got the power. He's, he's a slim guy, but he generates a lot of power with the bat. And uh, so that's the first thing that, uh, that not, that not chasing does. I mean, it, 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 it allows you to see more pitches in the strike zone, which gives you a better opportunity to hit the ball and uh, and make an impact with the bat which is tremendous for the Blue Jays if Kevin's able to put it all together which we're starting to see him do uh, both defensively with his versatility he's able to play right field he can play left field he can play second base he can play uh, third base he can play first base he can play center field Kevin's a guy that we've seen do it all uh, in the minor leagues and and I'm excited to see what he can do defensively in the big leagues but uh, with the bat if he can bring that power and that uh, that play die together which he's started to do this season and, and and get balls and gaps he's a doubles hitter I think um, more than he is a home run hitter he's definitely got home run power um, this guy could be could be a star for years to come and I think we're seeing the emergence of Kevin Biggio his chase percentage this season is 12.1 percent so 12.1 percent of the pitches out of the strike zone Kevin Biggio does not swing at or sorry he'll swing at a pitch out of the strike zone 12.1 percent of the time that's what I meant to say forget the first thing because that first stat if it was the case would be terrible 
Cavan is different from a lot of the other Blue Jays because these guys want to put the bat on the ball so bad that they don't care where the pitch is. As long as it's close, they're going to go after it. And that was the big issue for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last year. He wanted to have such a big impact. And it could have something to do with the pressure that was placed on him when he came up to the big leagues last season. But he wanted to have such a big impact that he wasn't waiting for his pitch in the strike zone. He wasn't waiting for strikes to come to him, for the pitchers to come to him. He was just going after the ball. He was a little bit too aggressive uh, on that front. So that's something we saw from Vladdy. And Kevin's not like that. Cavan will make sure the pitcher comes to him. And he's generated so many walks. He leads the team in walks, uh, leads the team in quality at-bats and quality at-bats percentage. Cavan's looked great. Um, he's very different from the team because the team is very aggressive. And uh, it's, it's, welcome, it's a welcoming sight to see Cavan Vigio uh, be so patient at the plate. Now, Randall Grichuk this season has shown a new approach at the plate. It's been talked about time and time again in Blue Jays' coverage as it's so new for him because he was probably one of the worst for chasing pitches out of the strike zone uh, in previous years. He's letting the ball travel a little bit more, and that's, that's been the big key for him. Um, and while it didn't show results with the power early on, He's having a fantastic season so far. Now, letting the ball travel is a big thing for a lot of a lot of coaches. They'll say, "Hey, let the ball travel." And for hitters, they may not know what "let the ball travel" means because it, it's pretty. It sounds pretty straightforward to a baseball fan, but you talk to somebody who's just getting into the game, you say, "Let the ball travel." What do you mean, "let the ball travel"? Now, letting the ball travel is letting the ball get a little bit deeper towards you or closer towards you before you decide whether you're going to swing or not. And that allows you to, to use the whole field more, um, which we've seen from Randall. He's not pulling everything in the past. Gritchick has been a guy that's pull, 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 roll over on this, roll over on that home run, roll over, home run, roll over. That's all he would really do. He'd hit a double here and there, but this season we've seen him use the opposite field. We've seen him use the middle of the diamond, We've seen a really complete approach from Randall Grichuk at the plate, and that's all to do with him letting the ball travel more. He's not going to left field on every single swing. He's able to use the whole diamond, and that's been really good to see from Randall because uh, he's looked fantastic at the plate this season. Now, you can see the ball better when you let it travel, and, and it helps you predict whether it'll be out of the strike zone or not. And really, all it is at the plate is predicting whether it's going to be a ball, whether it's going to be a strike. If it's a strike, you swing, usually, unless, it's not, unless you're in a good count. You don't have to. If it's a ball, you don't. Simple as that. But as a major league hitter, there's so little time to decide that guys can get over-aggressive, and that's what we're seeing with the Blue Jays. This allows Randall to, to see, okay, well, I'm waiting this millisecond longer, this little, little tiny second longer for this pitch to come to me, and now I see that's a ball. And Randall Grichuk this season, I've noticed this. I don't know if everyone at home has noticed this, but I've noticed that Randall Grichuk is laying off pitches this year that he was not in seasons prior. He's been with the Blue Jays since 2018. And Randall Grichuk this season has looked great at the plate because he's not going after everything. It felt like Randall Grichuk would not not swing at every pitch. He would go after every single thing that came at him. You could throw him a ball up and away and way out of the strike zone. He might not go after that, but you follow it up with a pitch in the dirt, and it's a swing and a miss. It was disappointing because they gave this guy such a, a big contract, five years, $52 million, and I tried to advocate for that contract. I tried to say this is an awesome deal. The Blue Jays are not going to regret this, and then Randall almost made me eat my words, but this season he's looked really good, and if he can keep this up at the plate, he's worth that $52 million contract. Now, 
Randall's chase percentage this season, and this, this goes back to what I was saying about him leaving pitches that he hasn't in years past. His chase percentage is at an all-time low, and it's at 30%. So that's the same stat that we're using for Kevin Biggio, where his is at 12.1%. Obviously, Biggio's is, is way better than Randall's, but um, Randall is at an all-time low this season with a 30% chase percentage. Fantastic to see because that will lead to better results at the plate. It forces guys to come back in the strike zone, just like we just talked about uh, with Biggio. 30% chase rate, it's nothing spectacular, but it's very good for Randall Grichuk. Uh, it's, it's his lowest of his career so far, and that's uh, been really good, and it's, and it's helped him in his approach at the plate. Um, now, Randall, final point here. Randall will never stop striking out. He's a guy who's got big power and he can, he can hit balls a mile, but he's going to strike out a fair amount. It's, it's limiting them as much as you possibly can. That's the key. And this season, we've seen a little bit of that as Gritchick has looked, uh, has looked much better at the plate. Another guy that has looked uh, very good at the plate is Teoscar Hernandez. He might be one of the worst defensive outfielders in the game of baseball, but boy, has he ever activated the bat this year. Teoscar, out of nowhere, has become one of the scariest hitters in the Blue Jays lineup day in and day out. And if you don't believe me, here are some numbers that'll make you believe. He's got a 54% hard hit ball percentage, which ranks in the top 1%, 1% of the league. Teoscar is, is somehow getting the barrel on the ball and hitting the ball hard so consistently. And you can be like, okay, okay, well, he was hitting the ball hard last year. Didn't lead to results. Not as much as he is this season. He's had a 17% increase in hard hit ball percentage from his numbers last season. Teoscar is, is suddenly having a fantastic year at the plate. And hitting the ball harder leads to potential mess-ups defensively uh, for the other team because, you know, they got to react quicker. Hitting the ball hard is such a key part of your approach to the plate as a baseball player. And right now, Teoscar Hernandez at 54% in his hard hit ball percentage, that's fantastic. He's done a really, really good job uh, at the plate. And, and it's led to, it's been one of the reasons that he's been so, so successful at the plate. A 17% increase from last year. Teoscar seems like a completely different guy this season. Uh, he's been a potent bat. And uh, his barrel percentage, which is how often he gets the ball right on the barrel, is 18%. So on the balls or on the in his at-bats, 18% of the time, he gets the barrel on the ball. And to most people, you're like, 18%, that's terrible. Not in Major League Baseball, it's not. 18% is in the top 3% of the league. So Teoscar Hernandez was in the top 1% in hard-hit ball percentage and is in the top 3% in barrel percentage. Barrel leads to hard-hit balls. Those two numbers go together. His average exit velocity is 94.2 miles per hour this season. This is more proof that he's just, he, some, something in his approach has changed and he's squaring up the ball way more. And where does this rank in, in the league? You guessed it, top 2%. So top 1%, top 2%, top 3% in three different categories. And Teoscar Hernandez is looking like a superstar. This is the guy that Jays wanted when they acquired him from Houston. This is the guy that Jay saw in September of the season that they acquired him from Houston. He is, he's got so much, and, and by the way, I don't know if this is just me, but Teoscar looks like he's been really putting in work in the gym because his arms have gotten way bigger. And I think he's a stronger guy now. His, his arm from the outfield is very good. And at the plate, he is crushing the ball. He slowly but surely cut down on strikeouts. Now his strikeout numbers are similar to where they were last season, but when he does put the ball in play, 
he's had the results that he wants. So Tay Oscar Hernandez is another one of those guys like Randall Gretchen. I don't think he's ever going to stop striking out. I don't think he's going to be near the bottom of the league in strike or near the top of the league, I guess, in, uh, in least strikeouts. But it's going to be limiting those things, and he's limited them a little bit uh, this season, and he's had fantastic power. He didn't walk very much last season, but there was a game this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays where uh, he walked three times in that game and looked like a completely different to Oscar Hernandez. Um, here's the thing, though. He can't play defense. And the Blue Jays have a slight issue in the outfield and on the infield and it's partially because of the issue on the infield they've got a lot of players a lot of really good players which means they're gonna have to trade some Kevin Biggio is here to stay he can play second base but Santiago Espinal is showing that he could very well be a big piece of this lineup in the future Biggio has the ability to play in the outfield and that is huge for the team he can play in right field he can play in left field he can play in center field can play any one of the three outfield positions and he can play the corners on the infield he can play second base i've never seen him play shortstop so i don't know about that they have a certain number of spots on the team with more guys than what they need to fill those spots and so i think that this offseason we could see lourdes Gurriel jr or teoscar hernandez get traded and I say that because they're, they're guys that would fetch you a lot in return. Teoscar has a great bat, but he's bad defensively. Goriel has a lesser bat than Hernandez, but is very solid defensively. I think one of these two guys is on their way out. And I hate to say it because they're both very, ta- they're both very talented. I don't know who the Jays could trade, but I think one of these two guys is, is going to be departing. And uh, we'll see who it is. I, I could be wrong on that, but I just think, I think it's a possibility. Um, moving on now, the Blue Jays acquired Taiwan Walker today before this episode was recorded and uh, really threw a wrench into our last segment. Walker this season is 2-2 two and two with a 4 ERA, 27 innings pitched, 5 games started. So that averages right around 5 innings per game. Um, and 25 strikeouts in 27 innings. So he's not really a strikeout guy. Tywin Walker has never really been a strikeout guy. Um, he, he started off this season hot. Uh, for several years, he was a great arm, but he struggled in recent seasons dealing with injuries and such. Um, he unfortunately is a rental. Now that the Jays have traded for him, he's only going to be with the team this season. It, well, he could be signed for longer, but he's, his contract does expire after the 2020 season. Walker is a guy who relies on his stuff, and he's got great stuff. He's able to put it all together. Um, he, he averages around 93 miles per hour. It's nothing electric, but he's a really good pitcher. And, and we've seen it in past seasons that he has been a very, very solid pitcher with the Arizona Diamondbacks, with the Seattle Mariners. He's just dealt with injuries and he's a guy with a lot of potential. So he comes in and, and the Jays need him 100% to pitch deep into ballgames. I don't know if that's who Taiwan Walker is. That's the thing. I think the Jays need a veteran pitcher who is going to pitch deep into games. Doesn't necessarily need to be a two ERA guy, can be a four ERA guy, but if he's able to pitch into the sixth, seventh inning, allowing three runs, I'll take that any day of the week. If Taiwan Walker can't be that guy, I don't quite understand the move. In return, the Jays send a player to be named later who's not in the 60-man prospect pool. The Jays have their top prospects in that 60-man pool. 
or in the in the 60 man roster sorry uh that they've got this season so it's not it's likely not going to be one of their their top prospects could be a guy who's drafted this season but it won't be austin martin because he's in the 60 man pool so low risk players to be named later always scare me though because of the fact that Julian Merriweather is a great example, a guy who's a player to be named later now, pumping in 98 starting games for the Blue Jays. Um, they can turn into really awesome pitchers, and it all depends on how, or players, not necessarily pitchers, but it all depends on how the, the piece that goes the other way it performs in their stint with the team. Um, so we'll see how Taiwan Walker performs. I want Taiwan Walker to work deep into games. That's my main goal for him. That's what I would love to see from Taiwan Walker. And hopefully he can accomplish that because the Jays have a couple of voids in their starting rotation. Walker fills one of those. And this Friday or tomorrow, I should say, the Jays don't have a scheduled starter. We could see another bullpen game. But next week, that spot could be taken up by Taiwan Walker. And that leaves one bullpen game a week if, you, if that's what you want. Shun Yamaguchi has looked really good lately as well. He's, he threw four innings of one run, one run ball in relief last night. So he's a guy that uh, the Jays could use in, in a starting spot if they wanted to. We'll see what they do. But with the acquisition of Taiwan Walker, that leaves one vacancy in the starting rotation. Um, of course, Trent Thornton, Matt Shoemaker, Nate Pearson on the IL. Um, I'm not confident that we'll see Thornton and Pearson for the rest of the season. So, that, so that's why this Walker, sign, Walker deal was so huge. There were other guys the Jays were rumored to be in on, and Dylan Bundy is one of them. Uh, he's really bounced back from his struggles that he had with the Orioles and appears to be showing the potential that people were uh, uh, people had envisioned for him at one point. Bundy, um, he's looked really good on the mound this season. The downside to making a Bundy deal is he's another rental. You don't want to have too many rentals on your team, although the Jays do have an influx of pitching prospects coming up, but they don't want to give those guys up. And likely to get a Dylan Bundy, you'd have to give up a prospect uh, because he's having a much better year than Taiwan Walker is. He's having a phenomenal year with the Angels. And you cannot afford to give up your pitching prospects. I'll tell you guys that are not going to, that should not be going Thomas Hatch, Julian Merriweather, Ryan Baraki, Anthony Kay. These are all guys that could have an impact in your starting rotation in the future or in your bullpen in the future. You can't afford to lose them. And in a 60-game season, actually, I'll say, that, I'll say this little rant for later. Um, if the Angels were willing to package another piece with Dylan Bundy, I think that the Jays could be willing to make a move. Now, um, Taiwan, or Taiwan Walker was acquired by the Blue Jays. Trevor Williams and Chad Cool. you can see that I'm using the, uh, the segment that we were supposed to have for this episode. They're two guys from the Pittsburgh Pirates the Blue Jays uh, were rumored to be interested in. Um, they're not rentals. Their contracts both expire in 2023. Uh, here's the catch. And this is why I would hesitate to make a deal with the pirates. Um, Ben Charrington, their new general manager, president GM, I believe he spent a lot of time with the blue Jays organization, working closely with Ross Atkins and the player development side of the organization. While Williams and cool are two guys that could be good for the blue Jays down the road. I don't really think they need them down the road. Maybe a rental is exactly what this team needs unless they have a really good year and you want to keep them and you don't see the, the pitching prospects having an impact. It's tough to balance. These guys are not rentals. They'll be in your rotation for a while. And that means that their price tag is higher. That means the teams are going to have to pay more for these guys. Um, it, it's probably a couple prospects going the other way. Uh, and, and Charrington working for such a long time with the Blue Jays, he knows what 
pieces he would want back. He knows which guys have the best potential. And uh, he's going to try to use that and get these players uh, from the Blue Jays. And, and that's dangerous because normally, if you're going for a World Series, you take those risks. The, the phrase that Casey Stern has popularized is, is prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Not when you're a team that wasn't expected to compete this season. The Blue Jays are a squad that the people thought would be around 500 and that maybe with the expanded playoffs, they could get that last spot. And that's exactly what they've been so far this year. The team itself thinks that they can make a deep run. I'm not saying they can't. What I am saying is it's not worth giving up the future in a 60-game season where the winner of the World Series is likely going to have an asterisk next to their name for all of eternity there's no real need to go deep into the postseason this year if the if you're the blue jays because technically it's still a development year i'm fine with them getting swept in the first little mini round of the playoffs by the oakland a's the new york yankees the tampa bay rays whoever they ended up facing in round one i'm okay if they even make the playoffs i'm okay with them not making the playoffs that experience in the playoffs would be huge for these guys. But I would not lose my mind if they don't make the postseason. You cannot afford in a 60-game season to give up the future. And I've loved the way Ross Atkins has been making moves so far. He's, he's traded cash for Vogelbach, a player to be named later for Walker. That depends on how Taiwan plays. Uh, the caliber of that pitcher go, or that player, I keep saying pitcher, that player going back the other way, because usually they are pitchers that, uh, that come back in those deals. You can't sacrifice the future in a 60-game season. And I don't think the Jays should go after Chad Cool. I don't think they should go after Trevor Williams. I think you bet on Alec Manoa, on Nate Pearson, on uh, Thomas Hatch, Julian Merriweather, Anthony Kay, Ryan Baraki. These guys are here to stay in the big leagues. Even Jacob Wagspack. Sean Reed Foley could still do something. You don't want to acquire a guy that's going to be stuck in your rotation for a long time if you think you have the pieces that are going to come up and that are going to dominate. So Williams, cool, while they're good big league pitchers, I don't want the Blue Jays to go after them in a 60-game season. It's not worth the risk. I'm fine with them not making the playoffs this year. I'm fine with them getting knocked out in round one. I think that this year it's more important to get them experience, and if they get that experience in the playoffs, awesome, great, huge for the future. But that experience should be the priority. It should not be winning the World Series this season, and you will hear me say that until the season ends. I will not change my... If they win the World Series, great. Great. They do. But the goal of this season is to get them experience, and, uh, and, and playoff experience would be awesome, but it's not necessary this year. Next year, yes. Playoffs or bust. This year, no. This has been episode 61 of 211's Baseball Talk. We do hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, we hope you'll join us back again next week for another great episode.